good morning. I want to start by asking you all a question. Um, do you remember what it was first like just to get to know somebody, uh, somebody important in your life? Maybe it was a schoolmate, um, maybe it was a coworker, maybe it was your husband or wife. Um, at first, it's it's kind of scary. Uh, your guard is up. You're just you're just not ready to share your heart with them. You're not sure about them, and you don't know a whole lot about them. Um, I remember getting to know Sherry. Uh, at first, we were a little bit unsure of each other. <laughs> I mean, the first date, I don't, I don't know if we knew whether to do a handshake or a little hug, you know, at the farewell. <laughs> um, but the more we got to know each other, the, um, the more we liked each other and the more we appreciated each other, the more we valued one another. There were some surprises along the way. Uh, we both found out we were pretty competitive. And uh, there was this card game, <laughs> Dutch Blitz. Have you, anyone ever heard of Dutch Blitz? So much fun, but you got to be really fast with it. And she's always faster than I am. I'm usually like 30 points deficit. And this really just got me fired up. Like all the time she's beating me. So that's... And she found out that I liked Beastie Boys, especially when I get ticked off. I, I really like to listen to Beastie Boys. And if you haven't heard of them, they're a punk rock band of the 90s. If you've ever seen the newest Star Trek movie, that's a song that's playing when the young Jim Kirk drives his car off the cliff. <laughs> All right, not that those things really matter a whole lot. Um, but it did help us to get to know one another a little bit more. Um, it helped us get beyond just the surface. I think it's always hard to open your heart to someone until you really know them, but... It's hard really to appreciate them until you do. Um, just like we're encouraged to show appreciation to one another, the more we know each other's character, the Bible is always telling us to praise God. And Psalm 98.1 is a good example of that. But why? Why does God deserve our praise that Scripture calls for? Who is he? What has he done? These are the questions that Psalm 98, verse 1 through 3, is going to address for us. So, Psalm 98, verse 1 through 3. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed it in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. So verse 1 calls us to sing, to sing a new song. We're called to sing to the Lord, not just speak. So I think that this means something, right? I mean, singing means a different level of intensity, emotion, um, passion. I'm going to give you a little example. I was going to do, 
I was thinking about doing Joy to the World to do an example, but after the music team's uh, Gloria, so let's just say Gloria, Gloria in Excelsis Deo, or Gloria in Excelsis Deo. Okay. Christine, am I in? I mean, my, that was my audition right there. All right. So I think we know which version seems more enthusiastic. The singing part does, right? Um, it's more passionate. It's more intense. There's more emotion. It's, you, wear your, you wear your heart on your sleeve when you sing. Do you think the Israelites struggled with this, being enthusiastic about God? Do we struggle with it? Or what else? Maybe the old songs just weren't as exciting. Maybe they lost meaning. Why a new song? Why are we called to sing a new song? Maybe the old stuff just got boring. Maybe old stuff just lost its meaning. This gets me thinking about the music I used to listen to. I don't look like it probably, but I loved hard rock. Loved hard rock and heavy metal. The mosh pit. (laughs) Some of you may have been in it. Mike's nodding his head. (laughs) But then one day, it was as if I could have cared less about that music. All I wanted to do was listen to Merle Haggard. <laughs> but I, I started to pay more attention to the lyrics, what they were saying, and I found out this doesn't make any sense. I don't even like what they're saying. So I think the point here is that just like good sleep freshens us up, the Israelites needed fresh energy to get excited about God. The truth to discover here is that not just speaking, but singing, we need fresh energy to praise God as he deserves. So what has God done to deserve new songs of praise? Let's look at verse 1. It says, He has done marvelous things, and he's worked salvation. Well, how do we know this? Because God did this, he showed this, he revealed it in a very public way. Let's consider the Exodus story. I want to take you back in time just for a minute and imagine what life was like for the Israelites in Moses' day. Okay, suddenly you're an Israelite, you've been stripped of your freedom. You're, un- you're under the yoke you're placed in the yoke of a powerful dictator. You're enslaved and there's no escape. To keep things under control, your dictator has just taken away your firstborn son. The straw has been taken away now too, so it's exponentially harder to make bricks. Any dissension is met with swift, violent action. And then comes along... This man by the name of Moses. 
through God's intervention, you're set free. God has saved you, and with no little works has this been done. Remember what God did here. He sent the locusts and the frogs and the pestilence and the darkness and the death. Can you even imagine? Can you imagine millions and billions of locusts flying around? Sound like a jet engine right next to your ear? Or maybe frogs everywhere jumping around your living room? Or the entire countryside is covered with dead cattle? Or there is not even a sliver of light because everything is dark? But after all this, all this happens, if you're an Israelite, you're free to go. As if God's work couldn't have been any more magnificent, he parts the Red Sea, allows you to cross to the other side, and then, whoo, cataclysmically drops the sea on Pharaoh's army. The parting of the Red Sea obviously was an incredible supernatural act of God, but it's only one of the marvelous things that he's done for his people. His record is a whole lot bigger than that. And it's ever-growing. God is always working new and fresh, marvelous things for us. This kind of makes me think of a tide. Imagine a tide. Maybe you're in Florida, and you're sitting on the beach, and you're looking out, and you're seeing what's coming in. New water. New plants. New fish. New shells. New life. Tide brings in a constant flow of new life. Similarly, God does marvelous things to bring new life to us. New songs are appropriate ways to respond to our God. New songs are appropriate ways to respond to our God. Okay, at this point, you're nodding your head. Okay, Jeremiah, new songs, all right. Yep, I've heard that. He's worked salvation. That sounds good, but why else are we called to sing new songs to God? Let me call your attention to verse 3. It says, He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness. So we're referring to God's covenant with Israel here. It reminds us that not only has God done great things, but he's done them for unworthy people. Unworthy people. Psalm 105 verse 8 says, He remembers his covenant forever, the word he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant which he, that he made with Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed to Jacob as a statute, as an everlasting covenant, saying, To you I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. Did you catch that? A thousand generations. Let me ask you, how good is the warranty on your microwave? Five years, maybe? Let me tell you what happens on the sixth year. It blows up. And then you find yourself going to Home Depot to get a new one. 
I know because this happened just a couple years ago. Ask Sherry. God's covenant, or we call it a warranty, is still happening some 4,000 years later with his people. We've barely scraped the surface. What more, he's made this covenant with backsliders like you and me. Like myself, I'm sure there's a lot of you out there that have signed an employment contract at some point. I think that if you stole from your employer, maybe you didn't show up late a few times, lied about something you did or didn't do, that contract would have been torn up. Your boss would have no pity for you whatsoever. Thankfully, it's not how our God operates. His heart is for us to know him. And by making a covenant as solid as one that can last a thousand generations, he displays his character and love for us to know him. Puts it right on his sleeve. We keep sinning just like the Israelites. And he always continues to pour fresh mercy and grace onto us. And we always need it. Our God is a God of steadfast love and faithfulness. There is a constant flow of new life from God to us. And there's a constant need for him in us. God deserves ever new songs. Okay, we talked about God deserves new songs of praise. Because of his marvelous things he's done and because of his steadfast love and faithfulness. Why or what else has God done to deserve ever new songs of praise? Notice the third feature of the text. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. And all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. This got me kind of thinking when I was doing the work here, what about aboriginals in Australia or, or Siberians and Russians in Siberia or Amazonian Indians in the jungle? Have they heard about God? So I think what's helpful here is to look back at the Exodus story. The Israelites have just been saved. They've been let out of slavery. God has done this marvelous work, saving his people from the clutches of Pharaoh. We catch the Israelites singing a new song in Exodus 15, chapter, verse 6. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. So everything is good. And then what happens? God's people start to fall away. They start to fall away from him. Their bellies get hungry. They begin grumbling to Moses. They start to doubt God's goodness, suggesting it would have been better off if they had never even been set free. And then what happens? Singing stops. The new songs stop. 
Israelites become overcome with doubt and despair. Instead of praising, they're just complaining. I mean, God has just worked this marvelous thing. Surely even Rahab and Jericho would have heard of the Red Sea being parted. But because of their falling away from God, the Israelites stop rejoicing. They stop singing new songs. And because of that, God's message of his goodness fails to reach all the nations. The people in the corners of the world no longer heard of God's marvelous works, which stemmed from his steadfast love and faithfulness to his people. So thus, we have tribes, even today, that haven't heard about the goodness of our Lord. God wants his people to sing new songs. And because, not like the aboriginals, not everyone has heard Some haven't heard, but some have heard, and they just don't understand. They need new songs from God's people. They need fresh songs that are inviting to the heart. So I think it's important here to recognize this one other thing about God that deserves some attention and praise. He's not the God of one tribal race or just one nation. He's the creator God of all. God's heart is for all, all to know him truly. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God's love is not exclusive to one race, One color, one sex, it's for everybody from all the nations. So in summary here, why does God deserve ever new songs of praise? It's because he's always doing new marvels. It's because we always need new mercies. And finally, new songs reflect God's heart for new people to hear his love. So let me say that again. Because he's always doing new marvels, because we always need new mercies, and because new songs reflects God's heart for new people to hear about him. We can know who God is by the good things he has done for his people. It's important to point, recognize here that God did those things despite his people being disobedient backsliders. We can know who God is by his heart, and his heart is to share those things with all people. His heart is to share things for all people to hear. The better we know him, the clearer we can see the argument here in this psalm. Our God deserves ever new songs of praise. God deserves ever new songs of praise. What truth do we realize here? The truth is that when we know who God is, we will want to praise him. When we know who God is, we will want to praise him. All right, you remember my story about getting to know Sherry a little bit earlier. As we spent some time getting to know each other, we got to really know each other's heart, each other's true heart. She got to know mine. Little by little, I got to know hers. So... We naturally began to compliment one another and 
want to praise one another more. And I think similarly, I recognize this truth with, with my need for God. When I step back and I think about the marvelous things that God has done for me, how he's saved me, and how no matter what I did, his love is and will be and has been always steadfast and faithful to me, I can't think of doing anything less than singing ever new songs of praise. I think when I think when I and think when we recognize this wanting to sing ever new songs of praise we are sharing our heart for God for others to know about him as well. So God works salvation, God keeps steadfast love, and God's heart is to share those things. I think we forget this though sometimes. I know I personally forget his marvelous things that he's done for me. We start to wonder if we should give praises to God, especially when things don't go so well for us. I mean, why would, why would a loving God let my loved ones get sick and suffer? Why would a loving God let somebody that you know in, in your life, why would he let their relationship fall apart? Why, God? Why, God? How can I compliment, let alone sing praises to a God that allows all this bad stuff to happen? It can be hard to believe, and we can always wonder if God deserves our praise. But when we look at Jesus and see what God has done for us, we know he deserves our praise. Let me say that again. It can be hard to believe, and we can always wonder if God deserves our praise. But when we look at Jesus to see what God has done for us, we know he deserves our praise. Because of God's heart, God planned out his greatest work of salvation, his clearest revelation of his steadfast love. Jesus. God's holy right arm. As Mike mentioned earlier in verse 1. So it's been Jesus all along doing the Father's will. He's the one that's been working salvation for him. Psalm 98 exists because God wanted all the world ready for Jesus. And he wants all the world to hear about Jesus. Jesus worked the single greatest act of salvation that all of God's other acts pointed to. Jesus' death on the cross completely and finally erased our debt of sins. And his resurrection secured for us an eternal life with him. Jesus shared that salvation with people just like us, who didn't deserve it. His family, his friends, fellow Jews, outcasts, sinners, and the nations. He died for deniers, betrayers, enemies, sinners, and even his own murderers. Let's go back to Psalm 105, verse 8. It says he remembers his covenant forever, the word that he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant that he made with Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed to Jacob as a statute to Israel as an everlasting covenant. We see God's righteousness was working even then, setting the stage for Jesus to come 
and save sinners of all nations. Nowhere in Jesus' life are these truths pictured as clearly as the Christmas events. The angels announced that the great hope for salvation of God had come, singing glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased. He sung this to the shepherds in the fields and the wise men from the ends of the earth and a humble young couple in a small town on the distant edges of the Roman Empire. At Christmas, it is so clear our God deserves ever new songs of praise. Psalm 98 exists because God wanted all the world ready for Jesus and he wants all the world to hear about Jesus. But he doesn't just want the message to be told. He wants the truth to be sung. He wants the truth to be sung. So I'm going to sing another song now. Just, but first I'm going to speak it. So if I say to you, Oh, holy night. But then when I sing, Oh, holy night. The stars are brightly shining. It's my best Josh Groban. It's not very good. I think we realize here the impact of the song on your soul or your inner being. Just like today when we sung a new song before we got started. I mean, you could feel there was new energy. There was fresh energy in that song because you hadn't heard it before. The message needs to be told, yes, but it also needs to be sung. Singing new songs tells the fuller, fuller truth. Not just what Jesus did, but what Jesus deserves. Jesus deserves ever new songs of praise. So what are we called to do? Sing to the Lord Jesus. Sing a new song to him. We sing a lot around Christmas time. We hear a lot of Christmas songs. At some point, it's hard not to get sick of the same old songs. Are you sick of them yet? What do we need? Maybe we need a little Beastie Boys. <laughs> Maybe we just need a little Beastie Boys version of O Holy Night. What we need is a little fire under our bellies. We need to see these truths of Jesus again revealed in a fresh way. Psalm 98 in verse 2 said that God has revealed his righteousness. And in verse 3, it said that all the nations of earth have seen the salvation of God. We need to see it again. We need it to reveal, be revealed afresh to us. New songs means fresh insight of God's grace and mercy to us. What we need to see must be revealed. God is not calling you to a blind faith in a secret God. He has revealed himself. The truths surround us, but they need the Spirit for us to see them as marvelous again. We need to pray, Oh God, open my eyes. God opens our eyes to see, but only when our eyes are looking in the right direction. Spend time on the Word. Reflect. It's hard during the holiday season. But ask yourself, when's the last time we realized God's new mercies for us? 
What we really, really need to do is sing. Singing's a mix of prayer, truth, discipline. It's not always easy to sing. We can't walk around singing all the time. We just don't have enough strength. Sometimes we just forget. Thankfully, we have a God that remembers his steadfast love and faithfulness. Even though we don't. Ah, another reason to sing a new song. God remembers. There's something about singing. It forces us to interact with the words, put them in our minds and our mouths. It forces us to open to the truths. And that's where God wants us to be. That's where God works. So, as I finish up here, God deserves ever new songs of praise. Every Christmas, we remember afresh how astonishing God is and how marvelous are the things he does. But Psalm 98 reminds us he's always been this way. He's always doing things. Let's ask his help to see them. Let's open our eyes and look. Let's sing with songs that help us to see. May our song help others see and know the glories of our Lord. Let's bow our heads to pray and then we'll stand and sing. (coughs) Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time together. We are in awe of the marvelous things that you've done. Even though we haven't seen them all, we know that you've done them by your word. We confess that we are, we are backsliders. We forget, we forget to thank you. We forget to praise you. We forget to sing, let alone sing new songs to you. We are so grateful that you've given this word for us to know you know you deeper, know your heart. And through the revelation of Jesus coming and saving us as we celebrate here in Advent, we know how great and wonderful you are, how faithful you've been to us, how your love is so rock solid. It's gone a thousand generations. So we pray here that we remember this, that we we see things, we see what you've done for us afresh, that, it, that we see it afresh and it makes us fresh by singing these new songs of praise to you, knowing that you have, you are doing, and you will continue to do these marvelous things for us. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.